0: will attack.
1: Welcome back, David Penn here, another episode of the Professor Penn Podcast. I want to start out, as always, by thanking Free People Radio uh, for giving us this platform. Our sponsor, TireGet.com. Everything you need in tires, 14,000 different kinds of tires in stock. When you buy tires and you have to buy them, you fund the movement, it's a win-win. That's tireget.com, T-I-R-E-G-E-T.com, precinctstrategy.com. Go there. It's a tutorial on how to get into the game of politics. Get off that bench. Get off that couch. Make your will felt. Be a player in the game. We started out there with uh, Bruce Lee. And, of course, uh, I got the power. You know, I said several podcasts ago that I wanted to play that. That's... uh, that's some retro workout music back from the way back. And uh, I, I used to play that when I was uh, involved in that kind of thing, that kind of fighting thing, training like that. And um, I always have a fond memory of it. Uh, and then I found that piece with Bruce Lee. Well, you know, h- how can you top that? For those of you that are younger, you probably you probably know you probably know Bruce Lee. I mean, Bruce Lee is a little bit of an immortal, right? And if you're uh, a little bit older, whoa, he was right up there. I mean, he was in the Pantheon of Stars. And you ask yourself, you know, why? I mean, it's just a bunch of fighting, right? And with all the media we have now with Marshall, there's nothing even really, I mean, it's exceptional, but there's a lot of exceptional Marshall movies these days. So what was, what was so unique about Bruce Lee? And what was so unique about the martial art? What, what was going on? This is the 1960s. I think Bruce Lee, if, if memory serves correct, I think he passed in the late 60s, early 70s, I think 69, 70s, something like that. He was a shooting star. He died at the age of 32 years old. And uh, he was an international sensation, a superstar of the highest level. Well, now we're talking about the 60s, right? So this is a first turning. This is really close to the end of World War II, Uh, 1945, end of World War II. So we're talking 15, 20 years later, here comes Bruce Lee. And uh, for those of us that can remember this period, it was a very hopeful and open period of human history. And that war, while it was horrifying in its effect, just horrifying, The aftermath was a commitment to brotherhood, nonviolence. Remember the the Atlantic Charter, you know, the self-determination of all peoples, the end of the colonial empires. Uh, There was a moment there where freedom, freedom was thought of as a human right, and peace was starting to be thought of as a human right. And we're going to get into that on a subsequent podcast, President John Kennedy's famous peace speech there was just a flowering of goodwill and you know traditionally um well obviously to be able to move like that and to, you know what What? that's a movie right it's it's a movie it's made up but it, it is uh sharing with the viewer the surface level of a many thousands of years i would say secret society It's actually a religious tradition, a religious tradition in the East coming out of China, spread to Japan, spread to Korea, spread to the Philippines. But the the root is Chinese and was maintained in China. The idea of the martial way or living in the natural way. And what's the natural way? The natural way is, hey, being natural, not being artificial, self-governing. The essence of the martial way is self governance. Isn't that interesting? The essence of the natural way, of the martial way, is self governance because when you are having a a lifetime of developing those kind of connections, those kind of skills, you don't call 911 if there's a problem. They call 911 after the problem's over to clean up the mess. And there's a lot of people walking around in our society today that are really capable of self-governing in the most efficient and effective manner. That is a limit on man's ambitions. Interesting. You know, there's a a great argument to be made for nonviolence. And actually, if you study this, this kind of tradition, at the core of it is always block first. And a step back from that is the best way to win a fight is don't get in one. So everybody that enters this kind of intense uh, training is taught, avoid a fight if possible, never pull your sword out first, but if you get in a fight, there's never any retreat in battle. And, uh, you know, there's a similarity between the Western martial way and the Eastern martial way because, hey, Fighting and killing is fighting and killing. And uh, what was unique about Bruce Lee and some of his other contemporaries, ma- you know, many of which I knew, I personally never met Bruce Lee, but I trained intensively with a guy that trained with him for years. The guy's name was Andy Apo. You can probably find him online. He was a brilliant, brilliant uh, martial practitioner, a magic man, a Hawaiian holy man, And he could make magic happen, and he looked at me one day, and he goes, people say Bruce Lee couldn't be hit. It's not true. I hit him. I thought that was very funny. A little anecdote. Anyhow, uh, what was so unique about these people that came and shared this Eastern martial discipline with Westerners was that that was unprecedented. This is the stuff of a secret society. You don't learn this stuff down there at the uh, uh, academy with 100 locations. Uh, they're not teaching this. They're teaching movement, they're teaching some basic self-defense. But what Bruce Lee was showing was the result of a lifetime of full devotion to a way, the way of being natural, of learning how to open your energy, your, 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 your biological, your spiritual energy, to the, to the great spirit, to, the, to God, to however one wants to use a word to describe something that's not describable. And the whole point of this was that in a situation where you were confronted with a life and death challenge, there was no emotional content, no fear, no anger. You were one with your opponent and one or two things happened they died or you died. If you died, your tests were finished. If they died, if you killed them, you had more tests to face. And that's the essence of this, uh, you know, martial way. But if you think about it, it's like so many of us had COVID. I had COVID and uh, I had it before people knew what it was because, you know, I've made the statement, I have a lot of engagement with the uh, Chinese community and I I got a good dose of COVID before they even know what COVID was. And it was a tough antagonist. And it occurred to me that it could kill me. So I had to reach down deep inside myself. And there's so many people that died, okay? And I'm I'm certainly not trying to cast any aspersions because it could have killed me. I don't know why I survived. And that's the point. That's the point. I trained. And at that moment... When I felt my lungs were filling up with fluid, which was pretty advanced disease, I prayed, and uh, here I am. <clears throat> I kicked that virus's ass, and I'm good. And I've got more tests to face. So, <clears throat> what 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 Bruce Lee had done, and what these other people that had that had come out of that World War II experience? Well, the first thing that happened was the United States military occupied the uh, East. We had troops everywhere, and there was an establishment in those countries, like in Japan, in Korea, of military leaders, political leaders, and now they were confronted with and had a continuously interface with American leaders who were protected by American bodyguards, American military bodyguards, before the days of the contractor. These people were all on the payroll of the US government. So they'd go to these meetings. I mean, I, this is something I know for a fact, okay? Uh, this is not fiction, not a made-up story. This is the way it went down. They would escort the American general to the meeting, and the, the, the uh, Japanese or Korean, the, the senior person would be there, and they'd be having their meetings, and there'd be big details of security, and there'd be some internal security, but everybody else went out back, and the meetings would last three, four hours, and you had a bunch of 18-, 19-year-old, 225-pound, 230-pound American-trained killers and a bunch of little Chinese guys. Now, they could have been Koreans. They could have been Japanese. But they were really trained in a Chinese religious tradition from a secret society. In fact, if you go back in Japan, there was a very, very big time in the run-up to World War II was the Black Hand Society. These are secret societies. Uh, You go back and just a sidebar. What's all this with China? We're having all this conflict with China. I bet most of us do not know that 51,755 foreign troops occupied China as colonialists. That would be Japan, Russia, Britain, France, United States, Germany, Italy, and Austria-Hungary. They all got down and they occupied the money parts of China, the late uh, late 1900s. And the Chinese rebelled. it was called the Boxer Rebellion. The Boxer Rebellion. Oh, boxers, Chinese boxers. They were, they were participants in these secret societies, and they came down from the hills, and they took on the Westerners, and they had a throwdown, and they were defeated, okay, because there was a superior uh, military technology in the West because of industrialization and China lagged behind. And then the Chinese mind, the people that we are seeing on television today, like President Xi, in all the people around him, in all this conflict in jostling we have with China. Where did it come from? Oh, these Chinese. Hey, 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 got to go back into the history. It always reminds me of my friend, Mr. History Doesn't Matter. I'm going to keep coming back to him because he's a particularly interesting guy. We'd like to have him on the program, and I know you're listening to me because you're military intelligence. Come on on. I'm inviting you. There's a beautiful studio out there, beautiful table. We can sit down. We can make the parliamentary terms of our uh, engagement. You can pick the subject. Doesn't matter to me. Mr. History doesn't matter. Do you know the Chinese people were occupied by these seven Western powers? Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, eight. I knew I was wrong. Eight powers. They were occupied. They were humiliated They were belittled. Racism was a big part of it. And um, they were exploited economically. Of course, there was Chinese confederates within China that were, uh, you know, uh, on the payroll. They were, uh, you know, like some of our companies here in the United States today that are on China's payroll, which is a subject for an entire podcast, and I would call that one Follow the Money. And you know what's great about We don't know if the information we're getting is true. But if you go look up, you can find out where people are getting their money. You find out who's paying the money, and you're going to know something about where the allegiances are. So out of this background of occupation by the eight Western powers and then the horrible invasion of the Japanese, which started World War II, I mean, that was the the germ seed of the whole thing. And uh, the Chinese were just lost. Tens of millions of people is mass slaughter. Very seldom talked about in the West. Uh, The same way that uh, Russia was occupied by the British in 1807, and there was a war there in 1853, occupied again in 1918, culminating with the Germans invading in Operation Barbarossa in 1942, the Chinese were occupied by eight Western powers. They fought a war to get free. They had internal people that were in league with the West, exploiting the people. It might have something to do with why we had a communist revolution there. And then on top of all that, on top of all that, the Japanese invaded. And all that horrible interaction with the outside world, the secret societies in that post-World War II period, there were certain people that came up through that system, like Bruce Lee, and taught to U.S. military the, uh, well ancient Chinese secret, and it is an ancient Chinese secret, and I was uh, part of that group of people that learned that and got devoted to it, got hooked on it, and I'll tell you why. I'm about, I don't know, at that time, I was probably 200 pounds, and I was, you know, frequently having to fight guys that were 250. I was looking for an edge. So this is another life when, (laughs) a long time ago, when I enjoyed fighting. Now I don't enjoy it you know, you reach a point in your life where you just don't want to fight anymore. I'm at that point. Doesn't mean I won't. Doesn't mean I, it's just, I'm just saying I don't enjoy it. And uh, Bruce Lee taught, and there was others. T.T. Liang. I remember many of these people that came and taught uh, uh, U.S. military uh, these secrets. And you know, what? it was really interesting. Um, you know, fighting they weren't really teaching us how to fight. Everybody knew how to fight. It was really about how to live. And this is, when I say that um, uh, we inherited both the the British and the Japanese empire, we became uh, involved with the Chinese traditions. And uh, some of that was good, some of it was bad. But the good part was Fighting is one part of it. It's really about uh, what the Chinese call energy training, how to survive, how to self-govern. That's what they were really teaching, which is a skill that, you know, if you're a farmer, you got it on the natural. But we weren't farmers. We were coming out of urban environments. So let's say, oh, I was talking to someone whose uh, father was at the chosen Reservoir in in, uh, the Korean War. That war was fought in sub, that battle was fought in sub-zero temperatures. Almost everyone was either killed, wounded, or uh, frostbit. I'm how do you get the grit to continue when you can't get warm? How can you warm yourself from the inside with your mind and your spirit? How can you connect to the natural way and make cold into something that nourishes you? How do you eat? How do you regulate your body for health? That's what they were teaching. They were teaching the natural way. I mean, fighting was a byproduct because you fought, you know stretching I and mean, we didn't stretch in those days. you know you got stretch, we didn't fight with our legs. okay, kick it. I mean everybody can kick somebody when they're down. I mean, you know, high kicks and I'll tell you another thing, that high kick and that's for the movies. nobody high kicks. I mean, I don't want to say nobody. There's always a, there's always a Michael Jordan in every group of killers. Most people, want to keep their feet in the ground, and most fights end up on the ground. And that's why uh, MMA is a lot of wrestling. But the, uh, the, what they were teaching was well-being and self-governance. And the people that taught it, like Bruce Lee, were very, very courageous because there were the people in their communities that said, you can't teach this to the Guaylo." It's not a nice word for white people. Hey, everybody's got their their nasty words. Guailo, ghost people, the ghost people, the Guailo. Don't teach the Guailo. Don't give them our secrets. But some of these people did give these secrets. There was a great um, uh, a guy named Wang uh, they were They were all over, uh, not all over. There was, I don't know, maybe there was 20 of them. I don't know what the number was. But they really, in hindsight, they were really interested in, in one peaceful world and they broke out of their secret societies and they, they really broke the rules because these secret societies have penalties to death for sharing the insider's secrets with the outsiders. These guys did it, these people, and this is what made Bruce Lee an international sensation. He, it wasn't just that he could move like that and fight like that, it was that he had a, a circle of friends. He came to Hollywood, he was an actor, he was a martial artist, he had many students. He was spreading out a philosophy. It was a political philosophy of self-governance, and it was moving to the people that trained with them because it was really a religious experience. Self-governance is a religious experience. You want to find a religious experience? Start working on your self-governance. So um, that Marshall thing's about well-being. Looks like it's about fighting. It looks like it's about fighting. But it's really about well being. Now, there is fighting that is going on in our world right now, right this minute as I'm talking to you. And we always like to come back to this Ukraine thing for the updates. And um, I have two quick updates. Number one, the long awaited uh, Ukrainian counteroffensive has been initiated, and the Russians and Ukrainians are killing each other wholesale and everybody keeps pouring resources in here, and it's starting to look like World War I. There's a line of demarcation where young men go to die. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? There's really no, so far at least, and thank God. Because if there's an unambiguous winner in this deal, that is going to be a very vulnerable moment. It's a lose-lose. If the Russians break through and threaten the entire country, very likely the West will escalate and keep them from doing so. And probably Putin intuitively or overtly knows this, so he's keeping it, you know, on the down low. He's not going for it. You know, a man only gets his arm chopped off when he takes his hands out of his pockets. So right now Putin's got his hands in his pockets. Conversely, if the Ukrainians break through and they start threatening that Russian border, and it's not really the Russian border, because what is the border over there right now? That's what we're fighting over. They're fighting over a border. Well, the U.S. border is wide open. Hey, it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of overused, but you got to throw it in there, because when you think about it, it's ridiculous. All these guys that I see in the Republican Party that are all pro-Ukraine, oh, and there's a lot of them, and I look at them like, hey, are you on the right, maybe you're on the wrong side of the football. These people tell me I'm like my buddy history doesn't matter pro-Ukraine pro you know it's interesting here in in my little area in Minnesota almost everybody that's running the Republican Party is uh, ex-military they don't like me you know I've, I'm not I don't have a problem with them I'm just saying hey hey really this is what you're up for so I like them to come on I know I digress I'm even getting a little bit mentally pissed off about it and I, I pause looking for the right words like to say well really we're going to get to a part of this very shortly where the clip is called up yours it's not personal it's just business uh we're we're in a war over there where nothing's happening but people are getting killed if something happens it's really going to be dramatic and terrifying terrifying the only reason it's not that way is because Putin is defending and not attacking they're just You know, having a little trench warfare. Isn't that fun? In the meantime, he's moving nuclear weapons into the Belarus. And the Belarusian president has admitted these nuclear weapons. And uh, President Alexander Lukashenko had a great quote. Everything is ready. I think we will have what we have asked for in a few days and even a little bit more. Lukashenko warned he would not hesitate to use these nuclear weapons in response to potential aggressors. This is a quote. Why do we need them? To make sure not a single foreign soldier sets foot on the Belarusian land again. Again. Oh, see, they have a little different... I'm going to read it again. Uh, Let me read it again. Why do we need them? To make sure not a single foreign soldier sets their foot on Belarusian land ever again. And he continued, God forbid that I have to make a decision to use these weapons, but there will be no hesitation in the event of aggression against us. These people have a little bit different memory than we do because my antagonist out there, Mr. History Doesn't Matter, has made sure with, you know, the way we're taught and the way propaganda works, that nobody here in the United States knows history. I mean, they don't know U.S. history. They, there was a thing, uh, you know. It's that this is, this is why I'm doing the Professor Penn podcast. And people tell me, "Oh, you're too highbrow. Shouldn't be. A, shouldn't do this. Should no. We're gonna do this just the way it needs to be for the people that want to learn. I want to get this information out that there is a history and it matters, like the Boxer Rebellion like our country was involved in occupying China in 1898, maybe that kind of pissed the Chinese they didn't give up on that idea, which is a whole other podcast, the difference between Christian forgiveness and the concept of faith. We've talked about it a little, but the Chinese, when you take their face, hey, that's it. There's only one result there. Somebody wins and somebody loses. We have in the West, we have this concept of redemption and forgiveness. They don't have that. They have a concept of history. You can take the average 22-year-old office worker and that person will know 6,000 years of Chinese history. Hey, we, they think we're ridiculous. we got 250 years of history. To, to them, we're pikers. pike, And you know what? We're playing it like pikers. Because we got people walking around saying history doesn't matter. What kind of an asshole says history doesn't matter? That'd be kind of the asshole that wants to brainwash people because history matters. Everything that's going on here is about history and how it's playing out through the ripple of time. Boy, I'm going way over, and I got so much to get into today. I'm going to leave you with one more. I met a guy over this weekend, and he said something I thought was quite noteworthy. You know, it's the year 2023 okay, all the countries in the world acknowledge that year zero was the year that Christ was born, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, Yahshua. Isn't that strange? that That That's power, man. These people can't agree about anything. East meets west, neither the twain shall meet. But everybody's on this Roman calendar, except the Chinese and the Jews. Another podcast. Free speech. Got to get into it. Now we're going to get down. Got to get through this. Because you've been part of this. I mean, uh, you and I were part of this. I came to you in goodwill, and I said, our elected leaders are not telling us the truth. In fact, I said they lied to us. And they did lie to us. That would be this piece I did on Tom Emmer, who is a, uh, a congressperson uh, from here in Minnesota, from CD6. And... Uh, I mean, I got a lot of people in the Republican Party that listen to me. I know there's some Democrats out there listening to me, too, because they communicate. And, uh, (laughs) you know, we're talking about a new Republican Party, a new message, a new branding. They don't like that. And boy, did the fur fly. Because here's what happened. A young, uh, but very much much senior to me in the party. I mean, he's not very young. He's a little younger than me. And uh, he came to me. And he is senior to me. He's up to he's up to, he's up to the organization. He's up the org chart. He says to me, "That thing was fantastic." I said, "Thank you. I'm glad you watched it. I didn't know you were watching." He said, "I'm going to send that out to the entire list." I said, "I wouldn't do that if I were you. That's not necessary." He said, "I'm doing it." He's senior to me. I tried it one more time. This is going to cause backlash, heat we don't need. He said, "I'm doing it." And it's a point and a counterpoint. We have two representatives in Minnesota that voted for that bill, two that repre- have voted against it. This is obviously an area of disagreement within the party, and I think I want to stimulate, you know, some dialogue to drive engagement and to drive a higher level of performance by the party. I said, okay, because if you get to know me as <laughs> Professor Penn, I try not to tell people what to do. You know, I'm just, I'm past that. I don't like guilt. I don't like should statements. I gave my opinion, and he pl- he pressed send. Huh. Whoa, boy. The, the, boy, did it get interesting then. Uh, you know, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievance. I mean this is some beautiful this is some beautiful prose and guess where it came from? It comes from our founding documents. The documents that I urge you, as you're working on your self-governance and your well being, because it's all part of it, we have an entire system of health and well being creation in this country. It's called freedom. Freedom and well being go together. That's why I'm about the politics of well being. To whatever extent we start to limit that be you know beyond its natural limits, because everything has a natural limit except God. We don't get that one. But in human affairs, there you know there's a, a natural limit. But when we start pushing back and pushing in and and restricting freedom of movement and freedom, when I say we, that would not be me, okay? That would be our leadership. They're actually uh, restricting my well-being, and I reject that totally, and that's why we're doing these podcasts together, and that's why I'm going to ask you, please spread this out, and we're going to get very good at spreading this out internally so you're just getting to be part of an of a of a movement here now. Because we're going to take a very aggressive and I share this with all the people that are listening to me cuz you can't stop it. You got to know it's coming. It's nice to know it's coming. Gives you some time to prepare for it. This is going to this podcast is a political podcast and it's a, it's a historical podcast. It's an organizational podcast. We're organized now. We've played in here for a few months. We got the technology worked out, all the people in place. This isn't going to be what it's been. It's, it's about to, we're about to launch. There's a launch button. It's getting pushed. And then we're going to have a lot more people involved that want to be actually engaged in the game of politics. And I'm urging you to come in. It's good for your well-being. Do you know how much better you're going to feel when you stop complaining and inventing and actually get in here and fix this thing with us? Because all human affairs are human-generated. And they can be fixed by humans. That's in the Kennedy's peace speech, which we're going to play next time. A little bit of a preview. If you don't know the peace speech, if you could go do a little homework and go to YouTube, you know you could be ready for this thing. And it would you know you could critique my work, which would make it even better. But they, uh, they, uh, they didn't like this. They didn't like this thing. When I say they, I mean the hierarchy. That'd be the Uniparty. They caught. You know what? Let me just. I'm going to tell you how I think about you you call yourself a Republican. Okay, let's see if under pressure of we the people demanding that you actually are a Republican, if you shall be a Republican. Because much like the truth commissions, I this is not personal for me, and I know everybody has a heart, and it's not up for me to judge against people. Judge not lest you be judged is a great watchword for our human behavior. Because I don't know if... When God's going to—I mean, God's moved my heart many times—so God has the power to move these people's hearts, and if we, the people, hold them accountable to the Republican uh, brand that they espouse, we may find them starting to, uh, you know, uh, have a different, uh, you know, perspective. Because what they're going to learn really quickly is their tenure is coming to an end here. Their tenure is coming to an end because there's way more people now that see what's going on, and we're going to provide you, you, my listener, my viewer, my friend, my community member, the person I'm doing this for, the people I love that I want to work with. Come on in. Here we go. It's launch time. This kid, he, he, he started it. This, 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 this I'm not going to mention his name, uh, but he's a hero, okay, and we're going to hear it in a moment. He just pressed the play button I, I, I didn't think I was ready. But, you know, we don't pick the hour when the battle starts. And that's not up to me. He he was the one that pressed play. He hit the launch button. Whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation must begin by subduing the freeness of speech. I'll read it again. Maybe I'll do a better job this time. Whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation must begin by subduing the freeness of speech. That would be from Benjamin Franklin. You know, he's pretty respected. Look at all this freedom of speech drama we got going on with the censorship and and uh, the, the uh, social media and uh, lawfare and all the things that are being done to make us careful about how we talk to each other. And it's building on that, you know, don't talk about politics and religion thing. So, you know, whose scam is this? I mean, who's doing this? Well, obviously it's the people in power because they feel their power is threatened by the free interchange of information. I don't know who's out there listening. I know some of you by name, which is great, but I mean, I I feel like mentioning some names, but I'm not going to do it. Um, but, uh, we just don't know when people are going to start to come alive. Everybody has a process by which they progressively become aware. And I'm still working on that process for myself with you. It's the greatest. Who gets the biggest beneficiary here is Professor Penn because I'm preparing for this time with you constantly, you know, thinking these things through and, 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 and looking at every idea, turning over rocks, following the money, follow the money. You want to know who these people are? Follow the money. If freedom of speech is taken away, then dumb and silent we may be led like sheep to the slaughter. And who would have said that? Oh, who wants to get on the other side of George Washington? Well, I know there's some. But I mean, come on, what an icon, right? A hero. That's President George Washington. If freedom of speech is taken away, then dumb and silent we may be led like sheep to the slaughter. Sheep to the slaughter. When you start talking about people who lost two-thirds of their family in a recent Holocaust, we start paying attention when freedom of speech starts to get abridged. To announce that there must be no criticism of the president or that we are to stand by the president, right or wrong, is not only unpatriotic and servile, but is morally treasonable to the American public. That'd be Theodore Roosevelt, another icon of our historical Americana. Now, this is we're going to see these ideas, these, these, these fundamentals of our culture, which goes back to our founding documents and then the greatest people of our history Reinforce it with quotes that are timeless. Oh, we're going to talk about what the party's doing. Just hang in there as a preview. We're going somewhere with this. Oh, here's a, we're getting a little more recent now. Some of us even remember this guy. Once a government is committed to the principle of silencing the voice of opposition, it has only one way to go, and that is down the path of increasingly repressive measures until it becomes a source of terror to all its citizens and creates a country where everyone lives in fear. That'd be Harry Truman, President Harry Truman, Democrat, the signer of the United Nations Charter, the dropper of the nuclear bomb, a complicated man. It's such a great quote. It has only one way to go. Think about where our country is today. It has only one way to go, and that is down the path of increasingly repressive measures. I'm talking to Mr. History Doesn't Matter now and all of his cohorts, because your hearts may be opened by this podcast, because I know you're listening to it. So let God move your heart. This is Harry S. Truman, a greater defender of the military-industrial complex. Never, This guy started the whole ball rolling. It has only one way to go. And that is down the path of increasingly repressive measures until it becomes a source of terror to all its citizens and creates a country where everyone lives in fear. Now, here's what happens if you and I, those of us that love God, country, and family, if you and I don't get off the couch and do the job. And it does take some courage. And I, you know, courage is contagious. And those of you that watch uh, War Room know that uh, I learned it there. And uh, it is contagious. And we're going to spread it one amongst the other because there's way more of us than there are of them. Let them be afraid of we the people. Listen to this one. If we don't get this fixed, like right now, today, starting today, there is freedom of speech. But I cannot guarantee freedom after speech. Oh, that's a great one. You know, that, that kind of comedy. This guy had a sense of humor. There is freedom of speech, but I cannot guarantee freedom after speech. That would be Idi Amin Dada. I bet you most of you don't know who this guy was. He uh, was the dictator of uh, Uganda, and he was a noted mass murderer. Uh, the people think that between 100,000 and 500,000 people, they don't even know. And he was a cannibal. What a guy. And, you know, hey, you can say anything you want to, but afterwards, ha, you might not make it. That's where we're headed. Now, Democrat leftist parties all over the world are calling for the abolition of free speech. Just this past weekend, the Irish Green Party, oh, that'd be the environmentalists. What wonderful people. Love the earth, hate the people. What kind of scam is that? Think about what these people are saying. They love the earth and the environment so much that they want to abridge free speech and take our freedom away. Hey, you know what? Up yours. Up yours. Up yours. You know, up yours. It'd be a good T-shirt with a fist. Hey, I got a guy watching me that's in the T-shirt business. Go get the URL if it's available. The Irish Green Party followed many on the left around the world, including our own Democrat Party, this week and came out for censorship and speech controls. It went full Orwellian, full Orwellian. Something you can look up, George Orwell. As its chairwoman, Pauline O'Reilly called for restricting freedom to protect it. Ha! You know, I want to be a comedian. These people just, I write in material, restricting freedom to protect freedom. You know, love is hate, hate is love, war is peace, peace is war. I mean, these people are just right out of a joke book. And anyone who's in the new Republican Party, and I mean the new party, the new party, the new party. We are about free speech and human well-being. Any effort to restrict free speech beyond its natural limits, and there are there's a load of case history, because this has been tested, we're going to keep those limits, okay? We're going to keep those. We are not going to... In the name of whatever bullshit you're coming up with, we're not going to press in on people and make them afraid. We're already afraid of the state. What kind of people put up with a government that they're afraid of? That has to change. The parties and the government serve the people. The people are the government, which is another scam, which I'm going to get into at some great depth in my piece that I'm gonna call up yours. Up yours. Up yours for what you're trying to put on the participants in the party. Now, first, let me tell you where this comes out of for those of you that don't understand these parties. And you know what? Please get into the party because I need your help. Come in. We're gonna make it easy for you to do it very soon. You know, a few podcasts down the road, there's gonna be a place to go, people to talk to you. We're gonna bring you in. We're going to get you involved. We're going to tell you all the secrets of this secret society. And you're not going to have to go up the ladder to get the secrets. I'm going to display it at the grassroots level. And I'm using that word, and you know I don't like grassroots. But right now, if you're not in the party, you're kind of getting walked on, okay? If you're not making your political well felt, you're a doormat. The only way we're going to quit being grassroots is to be American citizens and practice American self-governance. Like, for example, we have a hierarchical system where the American citizens are at the bottom of the pyramid. Oh, what a surprise. We're going to flip that over there. Now, folks, those of you that are watching this, turn your pyramid over, okay? Because it's not going to work like this anymore. This is the United States of America. This is a constitutional republic. And the reason that it is the way it is is because we, the people, gave up our self-governance. But when it comes down to freedom or slavery, we still have the means to pick up our freedom and give you a democracy suppository, okay? And that's what's coming right now. It's going to be completely constitutional, completely parliamentarian, but it's a numbers game. So I either lose or win, just like Bruce Lee. You know, if I win, I'll have more tests to face. If I lose, it's over we need you. You're watching me because you like this content. Spread it out and let's get in the game together. There's something for everyone to do. And I mean literally everyone. The power structure is depending on you remaining uneducated, powerless, and basically they just want to get you high and kill you. And that's why they give you all these means to do so. So let's not let them Kill us because then we're not going to have any more tests to face. And this is the moment. It's right now. It's get up now. I want to read something to you. They're not going to like this get up, but this is part of their secret society stuff that, you know, people in the secret society like me hear. And, of course, I got this because this piece went out. You know, there was a big controversy this man did not get approval to send this out because he knew if he asked, he wouldn't get it, so he sent it out, and he figured, I'd rather ask for forgiveness than ask for permission, or at least that's the way I'm interpreting his actions. I'm not in his head. I don't know what he was thinking, but he decided to go for it. Okay, so then all this recrimination started. Of course, if he'd sent out a you know a very positive piece on the debt ceiling bill, none of this Sturm and drang would have come up, but they're making a big deal about you can't send things out without our approval. No, that was never the problem. They're full of it. The problem was what was sent out, which was the truth, the truth. They don't want the truth out there. Listen to this. And I know who wrote this, or at least claims she wrote it. I bet she doesn't watch this. I'm not even sure she wrote this because it's it's written. Maybe she did. And she's welcome to come on and talk about it the sole purpose that would mean the only purpose the the sole purpose of serving on any enti- entity let me start again i want to please let me practice with you remember daily practice i'd like to have a mellifluous voice i'd like people to like to listen to me i'd like to speak without stumbling what are you practicing today what is your daily practice today what is gonna become your habit? What is gonna become your character? And then what is your destiny? This is how we get there, through our daily practice, through mindful practice. An idea we got from these brave people like Bruce Lee who came over from the East and shared with us their 6,000 year tradition. The sole purpose of serving on any entity that is identified as Republican is to get Republicans elected and to spread our message to voters. Our message to voters. Who's our? It's not our mission, nor should it be, to critique or malign fellow Republicans, even by inference. The result of doing so to the greater audience will result in more people giving up on the Republican Party not voting at all, or voting third party. This is the great fear, right? Freedom of speech, dialogue. Oh, you know, if, if, if your message is so bad that if it comes into the light, people don't want to be Republicans, maybe we should deal with that, change our message. I will continue. In serving in a leadership capacity, we have a responsibility to promote the entity and hold to our mission of electing Republicans to office. This is both an honor and a commitment. Every communication coming out of the party or personally, as long as we are serving, should be looked at through this lens. You know, I'm almost speechless because what I want to say is the Nazi party is down the block. All the Nazis, please leave the Republican Party and join the Nazi Party, okay? This is the United States of America. We have free speech. These political parties are based on dialogue, discourse, oratory, and composition. We have parliamentarian rules, which are only followed when it suits the leadership. The rest of the time, they don't follow the rules. Okay, that's going to change. Everybody's about to get a parliamentarian suppository, okay? This is all wrong. But this typifies the party leadership's thinking. If you're hearing me and you're in the party and you believe this, please talk to me. This is just wrong. It's philosophically wrong. And this is why Republicans are losing. This is the reason for the loss. This kind of thinking is why this party is on the decline. You go to a Republican Party meeting, the average age is about, oh, I don't know, 462 years old. Okay? And this is why. This is why. This is not, this line right here, this is the one that makes my hair stand up. The sole purpose of serving is to get Republicans elected and to spread our message. Who's our? What a scam. The message is always changing, right? Why is this? I mean, if we're going to have a message that's our message and makes it impossible for we, the people, to get involved and influence the message... What are we doing here? That means everybody in the Republican Party, look at yourself in the mirror. You are a minion, a minion, a mindless drone being told what to do. And you know why why they're getting away with this? You're accepting that. You're accepting that role. You're supposed to go knock on doors in the hot sun, red dial, spend your money, you know, open up your checkbook, write a check, and shut up. We don't care what you think. That's what the leadership told me. They actually said that to me. We don't want more Republicans. That's what a leader told me when I said, I'm gonna grow the engagement of the party. I was actually doing it. They said, stop, we don't want you to do that. We don't need more Republicans. What? Well, hey, more people are harder to control, aren't they? So I went out and started this thing. They can't control this. Now I'm gonna offer them an opportunity to get involved. I'm not personally pissed off at anybody. This isn't personal, this is business. This is the business of politics. You want to change your thinking in response to a superior argument. That's, you know, when someone says, I respectfully disagree, the argument's not done. There's going to be an outcome to these arguments. If we respectfully disagree to the point that we can't solve these arguments, go caucus with the Democrats where you belong. Get it? Because we're not going anywhere because I am just like Bruce Lee. I'm just like Bruce Lee, and I'm just like that song. Get off my back. I don't want to attack. I'm not into that. I'm into a parliamentary process of composition and oratory that results in a better functioning party and a better message that attracts new voters such that we can win under any circumstances. I tell the people that are into this election stuff, and there's a lot of them, and they have very good arguments, and they're treated... Horribly by senior leadership, they're actually spoke of in a way that's so disparaging. I'm talking about people that are accomplished people. I got a friend of mine. This guy is a, a intellectual stud, and he believes in the math surrounding these uh, election issues. And I watched a very senior leader disparage him publicly for having a belief. Not continue to talk about it. I mean, if we haven't solved it in your marriage. In your marriage, if you're married, if you're still married, do you just stop your partner into the ground or do you continue to talk? Do you go by your partner and do whatever the hell you want to and leave them in the dust? Because I mean that's a that's a recipe for divorce. When we're in a group, we gotta get some group energy going. Right now we got two wings to the party, they don't like each other. We're gonna work it out now. I don't say who's gonna prevail. I am not so bold, for those of you that are watching me, like Mr. History doesn't matter. I'm not saying I'm going to win. I'm saying we're going to talk it through. I'm not looking for a fist fight. I'm looking for good old-fashioned American politics, where we get up in front of the people, put our cards on the table face-up, and see what the American people think about it. (laughs) This thing. (laughs) What is this? i got to read it one more time just to say goodbye to this woman. I wish she'd quit. You need to quit. Join the Nazi party. Uh, It is not our mission, nor should it be, to critique fellow Republicans even by inference. That is so Nazi. We're going to talk about the Nazis here in a minute. Let's get into my next part of this clip. A star is born. A star is born. So, all this Sturm und drang ended up in a big meeting. There was a big meeting. And i it, it, was supposed to be about another topic, but the, it just had a boil over. It boiled over. The pot boiled over. It was the full committee meeting of all, it was a gathering of the Klan. You know, it wasn't just a small group, it was a pretty big group of, of people that are, you know, really activated in the party. They're, these are the people that are doing things. Come in, please. Please, listeners, viewers, come in. There is a cavalry out there. It's the American people. The cavalry's coming when you come. Let's just play this um, this piece, this audio piece. Let's just let it run through. You're gonna. This is this was this is the moment I call a star is born. This is a man defending his actions. This is a man putting things into context for a bunch of people that really disliked me. He stood in for me took the heat that was generated at me and you guys beat up on him and he stood his ground and he gave a speech that is one really it's a it's really one for the ages go ahead
2: меня зовут я родился в белоруссии в советском союзе я участвую в политике потому что я не хочу чтобы наша страна превратилась в my name is I was born in Belarus in the Soviet Union I participate in politics because I do not want this country that I love to become part of the ash heap of history
1: Stop that please I want to put a little context around this for those of you that weren't there Nobody knew where he was heading at this point. It was, you know, this was a, a departure from the script, so to speak. And everybody likes that. The whole room was happy with this one. Please keep going.
2: My grandfather fought in the Red Army in World War II and was offered to join the Communist Party on numerous occasions my father wanted to join the communist party but was turned away because he was a jew i've been stop a it. student of communists
1: hey to all the people that i've met in the republican party that are anti-semitic i call this part of the piece here today up yours okay up yours continue please
2: The communist party almost my entire life so i'm going to share with you some communist party 101. First, obedience. You must be completely obedient to the party. You must not criticize leadership or you may find yourself ostracized or in a gulag. They tell you what to do and you're going to do it. Creativity, that is not part of the job. Your job is not to use your brain. You're a mindless drone, a minion. Go knock on doors and invite people to Lennon's birthday party banquet. We don't care about your ideas and the message. You don't set the message. You follow the party line. Your betters set the message.
1: Can you stop for a second? just because it's, it's hard to get the room. Now the room's figuring out that this, this guy's stepped up and he's throwing down. What he's doing is he's drawing a, 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 um, a similarity, or he's, he's drawing a relationship between how he grew up in a communist country and the way the Communist Party of, of the Soviet Union uh, manipulated the people and what's happening in the Republican Party here in the United States today. Oh. This room's getting ready to come apart at the seams. And let me tell you what the cut was. Very close to 50-50. Hey, what a surprise. Please please keep going.
2: Your superiors. They're experienced leaders. They've been they've been steeped in communism, and they know better than you what's best for the proletariat. The communist party had the most united unified message in the world. It was on point. Everyone said the same thing. There was no open disagreement. But unity is not sincerity. Unity is not sincerity. No one believed it. It was fake. It was brittle. It was weak. And one man cracked it wide open. Ronald Wilson Reagan.
1: Stop this. See, when you get around a bunch of uh, older Republicans and you mention St. Reagan, it's a good way to get some applause. So this is the end of the agreement at the meeting. I was there. From this point on, it devolved into a food fight. Please continue.
2: Reagan challenged the orthodoxy of the Republican Party. He attacked Gerald Ford. Reagan, who elevated, changed and revitalized the messaging of the party. Reagan, who in the 70s was not a candidate, he was a private citizen, putting on radio shows day after day on the radio, slowly, methodically
1: changed. So what this guy is doing, it's kind of funny, he's comparing the podcast to a radio show. Hey, it's Free People Radio. It's a direct comparison. This is how the message changes. When you and I get together and change the message, what they're saying is it's their message. They own it. They don't own jack shit, okay? They've just got a role. They got elected. Politics is about people and numbers. If you want to change this country, if you want your children to live, the time is right now not tomorrow not a month from now get in touch with it you can find us if you look hard you can find your local party if you look hard all you gotta do is get involved we'll pick you up later and organize you we're gonna get organized we're gonna get all the secrets to you we're gonna make secrets obvious so that there's no manipulation and we're gonna tell the truth see this is really a battle about the truth about free speech the truth and free speech are not the same thing but when you abridge free speech Why people do that is to make sure that their narrative prevails and is labeled as misinformation, malinformation, lies. They want their lies to prevail. What I'm saying is not that I know ultimate truth, but I'm trying as hard as I can to get closer and closer and closer to the truth. And even if I'm not right, that version of description of reality is important at this time in this political dialogue. Let's let the star continue, please
2: the nature of the Republican Party. Those are our spiritual examples of who we can choose to be and follow as a party, Brezhnev or Reagan. Well, I've admired Reagan my whole life, and as a Republican Party officer, I also want to participate in the creation of policy and messaging and the creation of a better future for my family and my children. How many of you do too? And so I want to make a proposal so that those of you who That's want good. to Thank participate.
1: You. So not get, it goes on for quite a while. And this, this party activist made a proposal that would enshrine a more concerted effort to get different opinions out to the Republican Party base so that we could move beyond a very uni-party centric control of information and get to a more people's based at least a more diversity of opinion not telling people what to think sharing with people what they need to consider as they make their own decisions I don't want to tell anybody what to think I don't want that role I just want to share my I statements and see if it moves anybody if, if, uh, if my words or my approach move people, uh, then they're going to be moved. They're going to move other people. This is how it works. And, you know, this thing, don't talk about religion and politics, just shuts down the whole process. And it just, it just uh, empowers a, a, the narrative that's in control, and it's been in control for a very long time. And it's really about that British business model of piracy, drugs, and slavery, which we're all living in, And we think it's just, you know, we just think that that piracy, drugs, and slavery thing is just the way life is. can't be any different than that. And that's just not true. William Casey, director of the CIA under uh, President Reagan. A statement at his first CIA staff meeting in 1981. We'll know our disinformation program is complete when everything the American public believes is false. That's your director of CIA, William Casey, in 1981. We'll know our disinformation program is complete when everything the American public believes is false, like history doesn't matter. These people have had a lot of time to think about this. Remember, humanity is just coming up out of the muck and mire. A couple hundred years ago, most of us were farmers and living at subsistence level. We've come a long way with the scientific method. Uh, is it all positive? No. Is there a lot of positive in it? Yes. But it's developed without our, without we the people's stewardship. We've been led to believe that everything scientific is grand voo. vu vu. So guess what? Propaganda, the manipulation of the people, how they think this is as old as time, right? But as technology improved, so the techniques to manipulate people. Let's play this piece here on uh, this first one on Goebbels. It's about a minute long. Just pop that one in there. These are images of a German political rally in 1937. It's a sea of people. I mean, you know, we can't get 50 people in a room in the Republican Party. Hitler was put. I don't. This is this could be millions of people. I mean, it's just unbelievable. These people were all out for a Nazi Party political event. These people were motivated, and I'll tell you why they were motivated. They were hungry.
0: Millionen Demonstrationen hat sich am heutigen Tage die ganze deutsche Nation zur Arbeit, zu ihrem Wert, zu ihrem sittlichen Ethos und zu ihrer nationalen Verbundenheit bekannt. Am heutigen Abend
1: bin ich... I just want to give a picture. This, this is um, Goebbels. He was the uh, person in charge of uh, Nazi propaganda. And he's kind of the model of being a propagandist. This is when propaganda started to emerge uh, from a pre-technological period into the period of, you know, radio and television and now digital. It's become so sophisticated, we don't even know we're being propagandized, which is what William Casey knew was going to happen. When he said that, you know, they'll know they're a success when everything I believe is a lie. And I'll tell you, when you start pulling back the, the covers a little bit, I think a lot of what we believe is a lie. Even down to our very notions about what space and time are. And that's a whole other podcast. But Goebbels, he was, uh, he was in it to, to the very end. He was very close to Hitler. He was the spin master. Uh, you know, somebody criticized me. They said, Tom Emmer has to talk that way because that's his job. He's the one that has to sell the the debt bill. Well, that would make him kind of a Goebbels, wouldn't it? No, no. That is not his role. We're going to change that role. If the House majority whip's role is to spin anything any way he can to put lipstick on a pig, hey, it really needs to be. I'm going to tell the American people the truth. We can't get anywhere unless we tell the truth. Now, you know, in all fairness to Representative Emmer and to set up the next big drama that's coming, he was very proud of something he put in the bill, which was to restore the traditional budgetary process. And if there is not a budgetary process that results in 12 bills passing by January 1st, 2024, The government goes into sequestration, which is a nice way of saying everything just gets cut 1% except for the military. Okay, budgetary process. Representative Emmer will be watching, and I'm going to tell you how I feel about this. We're $2 trillion over the mark this year. We just passed $32 trillion this past week of national debt. We're right now $2 trillion in the red for the year. In other words, what went out... Exceeded what came in by $2 trillion, two trillion, which is like 1,200 miles up in space, $100 bills, you know, back-to-back lined up like this. It's 1,200 miles, 1,200 miles, like from here to like Dallas, Texas, $100 bills. That's how much we overspent the income. And Representative Emmer, if you use the budgetary process that you put in place in that bill, the debt ceiling bill, to reduce spending by a real cut of $2 trillion, we, the American people, we, the American people, will be benefited, our well-being will be enhanced, and our loyalty will be increased. So I'm going to be watching how this comes out. So if we can get $2 trillion of real cuts, cut the spending. By the $2 trillion that we exceeded our income, if we start really balancing our budget, the Chinese will know we got our shit together. Representative Emmer, I've been to China almost 200 times. You want to make the Chinese stop in their tracks and wheel around and go, what? Balance the budget, because then they're going to know we're a serious country. Until then, they know we're clowning around. I know we're clowning around. A lot of our leadership knows we're clowning around and that it's a big show-and-tell story for the American people. There's all this talk now about China's this great threat. You want to deal with this threat? Balance the budget. Protect the currency. Protect the hard work and productivity of the American people. Don't let us turn into a pile of goo. Protect us. We've elected you to protect our money and our physical safety. That's your job. Please proceed. My mind is open. I know, we're, you know we have some connectivity. And let's see how it comes out because I would love it to be, as you said, the first step. Okay, here comes the second step. Take it, please. We're watching. Let's play this other piece on Gribbles here to, you know, as we come to the end here.
0: February the 10th, 1933. The Fuhrer gave a fantastic speech with a very sharply worded challenge to the Excuse communists. me, can you stop
1: it? This end, is a translation of Goebbels.
0: Truly he actually wrote it down.
1: This is two minutes Concluding of listening to what he word, wrote down. Please continue. Amen.
0: It seemed so natural that everyone was captivated and deeply moved. It was filled with such power and faith. It was so novel and courageous and had such power and stature that nothing from the past bears comparison with it. February the 20th, 1933. I saw the film of the Führer's speech at the Sports Palace. The footage worked very well. It will prove indispensable to us as a propaganda tool. This film will be shown wherever the Führer cannot make speeches. Its power comes above all from the coherence and harmony of word, facial expression, and gesture. Now meetings are becoming a real pleasure. We have a new subject that grips us all. We have enthusiasm, energy, and absolute commitment for our cause. We have audiences that respond passionately. We can speak from the heart, and we no longer need to spare our enemies' feelings. For the election, we're generating large amounts of money, and this will put an end to all our financial problems. I set the propaganda machinery in motion, and an hour later, the printing presses were chattering away. February the 21st, 1933. Our propaganda is considered to be exemplary, not just by the German press, but by the international press, too. We have acquired so much expertise in this field during previous election campaigns that we can overcome our opponents. We frighten them, and they hardly dare utter a word. Now we will show what the apparatus can achieve if you know how to use it.
1: occurred to me while I was watching that, that these, uh, this very, peop- these very people who claim that uh, you can't criticize another Republican even by inference are conspiring to thwart Donald Trump's candidacy here in Minnesota. So you know the rules only apply when they want them to apply. And that's another thing, it's truth and logical consistency. I mean we gotta get one, (laughs) when you tell the truth and you're operating out of a moral center, for those of you that are listening to me there, you know it's never too late let me say to all my fellow Republicans that are not really with me yet, it's never too late to grow a set of principles. It's never too late. We're all growing. I'm growing. I wasn't this way 10 years ago. We're all growing. I'm out in front a little bit from, from some of us, but please, I'm, I'm asking you to join me. Grow a set of principles. Commit yourself to free speech. Free speech to dialogue and discourse and parliamentary procedure that is used 100% of the time, not just when it suits you to manipulate a situation. And if we're not gonna criticize Republicans, even by inference, knock off this, let's get rid of Donald Trump right now thing. Okay, it's one way or the other. The bar door's gotta swing both ways. The bar door does not swing one way. It swings both ways. This kind of logical inconsistency This kind of capricious and arbitrary use of parliamentary procedure alienates the people. And of course, what happens is they don't vote. And then you wonder why they don't vote. I hear all these people saying, oh, this is a conservative state. We just got it. They're not voting because we're not honest. And when I say we, this is me taking responsibility for the party. I'm in this party, I'm with you, I'm a resource for you, I'm a wake up call. It's never too late to grow a set of principles. And I am not the only one. I got to tell you, I know you're doing your intelligence. There are so many people better than me coming into this party right now with every intention of reviving it as the new party. They have a set of principles. So let's see how this is going to work. We got a bunch of people that seem to have lost their way and a bunch of people that are steeped in principle. How do you think this is gonna come out for you? So I'm asking you, please, grow a set of principles. I'm not saying it has to be my way. Let's just have it out, let's talk about it. The product that comes out of dialogue will be better. That's the point of the political process. Don't disconnect what our forefathers gave us. There was majesty and divinity in this process. Let's not give it over to Empire let's actually maintain our belief and faith and adherence to self-governance. Because we got the, the, the example of when there isn't self-governance, and that's Goebbels, and that's why I said go join the Nazi Party. You know, it's not the Nazi Party today, but the Nazi Party didn't start out the Nazi Party. They actually started out as an open party to get people, and then progressively it got more and more dictatorial. And terrifying, and repressive, and mass murdering. You know we can learn from history, just like William Casey and his cohort cohort can. We can see when things are going in the wrong direction, and even if we disagree, we can we can see in common how this repression of free speech is dangerous. How the how the manipulation of people and not caring about what they think and feel, viewing them as inventory, is dangerous. No. Every person in the new party is a human being, they have inherent qualities, they have inherent defects, and participation in the self-governing process is capable of enhancing human well-being. So if the process is going towards freedom, we become more well, more capable, more empowered as individuals who self govern If it's going towards repression, our well-being is undermined. Our life expectancies drop. Oh, what a surprise. 60% of the people have chronic illness. Oh, what a surprise. Of course we do. We're trapped like rats. We're full of anxiety. The three emptying factors. Having nothing. 85% of the people in this country literally have nothing. Continuous concern. We're always concerned. One day is... Worse than the one previous because the news is getting worse and worse. And the third thing, chronic disease. We're being killed by this process. Slavery, drugs, piracy. The result, the wages of sin is death. Hey, don't participate in it. It's very simple. I don't. I've just said, no, I'm out. I'm out. To whatever extent I can, and from time to time, all the time, I think of new ways to self-govern. And that's great. That's why we played that Bruce Lee piece, not because he's an ass kicker, but because what he's really showing you here is a process of self-governance. And we all think it's cool. The evidence is he was a superstar. Well, here's the opposite side of the tracks to move towards the end. We're getting wick today, both of us. We've got self-governance on the one hand and repression on the other, and we're looking at it in juxtaposition. Because, you know, we really have, we got, I mean, Goebbels is a a figure, a reviled figure. But boy, he said some interesting things. Here's one. If you repeat a lie often enough, people will believe it. And you yourself will even come to believe it. Hey, 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 hey. If you repeat a lie often enough, people will believe it. And you will even come to believe it yourself. Unbelievable. Here's another one. This is the secret of propaganda. Those who are to be persuaded by it should be completely immersed in the ideas of the propaganda, without ever noticing that they are being immersed in it. That would be that. That's culture, right? Culture. We're inculturated into our slavery, drugs, and piracy business model. We don't know any different. That's the William Casey story. We'll know our disinformation program is a success when everything the American people believe is a lie. William Casey, Goebbels, Joseph Goebbels, the same guy. Just because one guy is an American servant of the U.S. government and the other guy was a servant of the Nazi party doesn't make them different. They're saying the exact same things and they wrote it down. I'm not making this stuff up please do your own research. Go to YouTube. Go to the web. Please don't take my word for it. That's another thing about self-governance. You've got to do the research for yourself. Here's another great one. Propaganda must facilitate the displacement of aggression by specifying the targets for hatred. I mean, this guy, Joseph Goebbels, He's like in the College of the American Propaganda Institute. There isn't one. I'm making it up. It's a metaphor, almost a little bit funny. But, I mean, he's, this guy's an icon for propagandists. Propaganda must facilitate the displacement. That means putting from one place to another. Propaganda must facilitate the displacement of aggression. That would be anger. Like 85% of the people don't have any money. They're worried all the time, and they got a chronic disease. Hey, they're pissed because their life sucks. So we have to give them a place to put that anger that doesn't threaten the business model of piracy, drugs, and slavery. I'll give you two places where this anger is going. You're going to like it. They're the same people, transgenders and white supremacists. Oh, did you hear me? Transgenders and white supremacists are the same people because in the propagandist world, those are the two groups, Or there's many groups, but these two groups, are where aggression is being displaced to maintain the status quo. To maintain, so if you're on the right, oh, these transgenders, they're bringing down, and if you're on the left, oh, these white supremacists. You know, both sides are being manipulated by expert propagandists whose only goal is to maintain $1.5 trillion for military expenditures, $1.5 trillion for medical expenditures, and the skim that comes off of it, which is probably a trillion bucks a year. Hey, what a great deal. Let's go hate the trade. Oh, let's go hate these 19-year-old pregnant women that have abortions. Let's displace all our anger into them. No, 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 my friends, my fellow American citizens. Our anger is just. Our anger is righteous. And it needs to go right to where it can have the effect that we want it to have, which is to change the system so that it generates well-being. So let's not go get caught up in this trap of hating these groups. Let's not hate at all. Let's use our human agency to change the business model together. The rank and file are usually much more primitive than we imagine. That'd be you and me, dummies. The rank and file are usually much more primitive. Primitive is a really interesting word, too. You want to talk about racist? There's a racist word. A primitive, an ape. The rank and file are usually much more primitive than we imagine. Propaganda must therefore always be essentially simple and repetitious, like the shorts you're watching on Instagram, like the shorts you're watching on YouTube. Getters got shorts, shorts everywhere. What you know, because we get a little dopamine rush in there, can't 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 turn it off. The rank and file, that'd be you and me, are usually much more primitive than we imagine. I mean, my God, I can't believe how stupid people are. That's their attitude about me. They actually think I'm stupid. They think you're dumb. Could you please get off the couch with me and prove to them how smart we are, how loving we are, how much we love the country, how much we're devoted to our God? Could you please come with me and give them a lesson in who the American people are? and not let them turn us in to slaves, join me. Please join me. I'm going to end with something that a friend of mine, uh, Steve Stern, sent me. Steve is a big leader of the precinct strategy movement. He's everywhere. He's ubiquitous. He sent me something that is, uh, you know, I thought, oh, this is going to be kind of tacky. It was great. It's worth listening to. It's a, it's a retelling of the Star-Spangled Banner from a modern perspective with really good music and there's some passion in it that's worth listening to because the people are young. Please Tanner, let's let's go out with this and I'll see you soon again. Thank you for joining me. Spread this out please.